0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's weekly current affairs programme. My name's Emma Webb and this week, as usual, I'm joined by senior fellow and historian Rafe Hadelmanku, Peter Whittle, the founder and director of the New Culture Forum, and Dr Philip Kissley who's also a senior f- fellow here at the New Culture Forum so before we kick off talking about universities and the madness that's been going on in the Treasury and I don't mean the madness that everybody will be thinking mm, of there mm. um, do you want to start Peter by telling yeah. us a bit about this book that we're publishing this week?
1: Absolutely Emma, uh, publishing this week, it will be available um, in a few days time uh, if you would like to order a copy, here it is Fighting Back, Defending Britain and the West in the Culture War now we've already talked about it on this program before but uh, here my hot little hands we actually have the, <laughs> the book uh I'm very pleased that these good people Rafe, Emma, Philip all contributed chapters to it um the point really about it Emma as you know is that people are always getting onto us quite rightly saying we agree with you on almost everything or everything but what do we do about Mm. it? So the point of this is that there's a number of, there's nine essays, apart from your good selves, we've got David Starkey, Constantine Kissin, Calvin Robinson, Dr. Eric Kaufman, and and they are all looking at various aspects of our society and how in fact we can fight back. Mm. And um, I think, you know, it is, the time is absolutely right. So far as I can see as well at the moment, um, this is the only book of its kind out, and uh, so we're you know we're, we're good timing here um but um it's 10 pounds and it will be available on amazon but in the meantime if you'd like a copy um please do write just drop us an email at membership at newcultureforum.org.uk or go to the website or indeed uh, there's the other one which is contact at newcultureforum.org UK and what we will do is we will collect your requests and then obviously uh, send you a copy but um, I think um, we should all be very pleased with this actually, you're dealing with immigration and multiculturalism
2: and segregation
1: and you're dealing with education which yes. is at the root of it all mm. and what was good about yours as well, what I noticed as well when we did the conference is that your speech got this huge uh, n- a number of views, it's like a, an everyday what <laughs> What should I do every day in my everyday conversation with people, and that's what people want to know. Yeah, like, like the
0: know. agony aunt's response yes, exactly. to.
3: <laughs> what should I do? It, so it, it kind of offers a strategy, yes. doesn't it? And Ooh. it and it isn't a, an emotional, visceral response. Although yeah. there is Ooh. an element of that. It's it's a it's a it's a cool intellectual. This is what you do in the face of this craziness, mm. and this is this is the response, mm. or, or this is. Advice, which mm-hmm. is which is useful, and I think that's uh, actually that's really comforting for yeah. people because uh, mm-hmm. our editor, brilliant editor Stephen Balog, called it a, a, a companion, didn't he? And mm-hmm. I think it is a companion. Indeed, yeah. yeah,
0: I think people can often feel very disempowered as well because <laughs> I love when we to, when you when we love. talk about things like marching back through the institutions and all of these big things that need to be done in order to try and change the tide and that can make people feel very small uh, as if there's nothing that really they as an individual can do. And I think the point of um, my, of my speech at the conference, which has um, been reprinted as, as a chapter in this book, was to, to to explain to people, firstly, that there is something that you can do in your daily life, that you're more powerful than you think you are. Um, and secondly, and importantly, um, it, it takes and transforms Solzhenitsyn's Um, own advice and I think that's another point is that there have been people who have been here before Mm. Um, not to say that there's a direct comparison between our situation what it was like to live under Soviet rule or under any other form of totalitarianism but there have been people who have thought about these Mm. issues before um, and have thought about how much power individuals really do have in their daily life
1: Mm. I I think uh, yeah I think the one thing we never Ever lose sight of is that it's all very well people have jobs you know mm-hmm. they have employers and they have to pay mortgages and things like that <clears throat> however um, to pick up your point uh, actually in a few days time on the channel we're going to be speaking to some quite well-known cases of people who were not originally well-known uh, became well-known simply because they fought back mm-hmm. I mean uh, mm-hmm. a nurse Amy Gallagher we have we've got Harry Miller famously obviously on the free speech front with the police and then uh, Nick Buckley who was fired from his charity so there are cases where people have actually said you know what enough yeah. mm-hmm. uh, my, my dignity and freedom of speech is worth more to me than your job
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so anyway, that's it fighting back
0: right?
1: in all good websites at the moment.
0: <laughs> so let's, um, let's dig into this week's topics then, um, starting off with universities and this uh, news story about the Quality Assurance Agency um, that has given certain guidance to uh, universities to incorporate what we would call woke ideology into their curriculums. Mm.
2: Yes, so we have this Quality Assurance Agency and most people when they hear of such a society will think Well this is a decent sound organization that's there to provide the consumer with their stamp (laughs) of approval. But what have they said? That schools, universities must teach the the colonialism and white supremacy Mm -hmm. in, in fields like mathematics and science as well for example this is the proof that we all need to know that the revolution has already taken place. Mm-hmm. We are living in a post-revolutionary society, which is why books like this, Fighting Back are all the more important mm-hmm. because this is no longer about stopping the tide, the tide has already come in. Mm-hmm. This is about draining the swamp to coin a phrase. Mm-hmm. And I think it's people need to really understand the terms of the battle that we are actually engaged in. Yeah. It's what it's, it's one to recapture territory right. rather than to stop the invasion. There has been institutional capture and we've seen it in the National Trust, we've seen Mm -hmm. it as we'll discuss soon enough in the Treasury as well. Mm. Uh, Every institution that we have now seems to have been overtaken by this ideology Mm. and it's going to take a concerted effort by all parties Uh, by parties I mean all players and activists and and people in the societies as a whole Mm -hmm. as well as in government Mm -hmm. to to, to try to reverse this because it is a a monumental task now unfortunately.
0: Philip you're 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 at the coalface of this aren't you so Mm -hmm. what in terms of what this would look like on the inside you know how how you can imagine different subjects incorporating these things into their curriculums because you know they don't have to listen to the Quality Assurance Agency but presumably they will so from from your perspective on in the co- on the coalface you know how, how do you see this sort of thing actually playing out
3: well I think the best thing to do is is to historicize it slightly and I don't mean decades and decades and decades I just mean over the last ten years or so and I think I think what's happened is ten years ago this was beginning to be A very definite issue that um, ideology was overtaking everything. Now it's always been left-wing and it's always been a bit crazy, but ideology was overtaking everything. Okay, Mm. and that was in the 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 drive to be multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary. So you would have a a theoretical framework over everything, and no matter what question you asked, you'd always came came up with the same answer because you were you were framing it in a particular way. So that was one thing but now we've gone further than that and and the the language is much more emotive now it's framed in ethics Mm. okay so everything you have to do has to be ethical it would be anyway if you if you're a if you're a coherent you know if you're a coherent researcher then you are by definition ethical because you're looking for the truth okay but this is just pure ideology and and what what they do is they present this incredibly radical ideology as an ethical framework and if you don't engage with the ideology then you're unethical and therefore you're wicked and and that's how it works so mm-hmm. that's really what quality assurance And an unprofessional Yeah, an unprofessional that's what quality assurance means it means mm-hmm. it 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 means ideology basically
0: Peter
1: Yes no, I look uh, I absolutely um Echo what Rafe and Philip said. Um, I think the point actually Rafe makes is is the right one in the sense that you know this, there's this idea that oh my God what's happening? Uh, it has actually sort of happened. I mean this quality assurance no outfit is not even really a official as such it's mm. not you know and apparently in fact they got gu- the educational <clears throat> establishment is going to stop using it next year or something but in a way the damage is sort of done I mean people and this talk you know ask when it comes to things such as long march youth institutions uh, you know what was this a conspiracy or something did people sit down in a room uh, no I don't think they did it's just what's interesting is that if you think of people who are all in charge of all the institutions now look at the judges you know look at them mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they are all around about the same age they're all, all around about the age which would mean that they were at university in the late 60s mm-hmm. which is when there was the new left were absolutely in control mm-hmm. in yeah. fact the french have a term for it these um the 68ers they called the soisson huit. you know mm-hmm. and they they absolutely targeted them so in fact you know these are, the, these are the chickens that are coming home to roost yeah. at the moment basically. I, th- I think there's
3: just something more in it, and I think it just relates back to what I've said I think you're absolutely right but I think I think the change over the last 10 years and maybe it's a bit longer okay let's say it's the last 15 mm. years it's the manipulation of language mm-hmm. and, and, and the idea that saying one thing actually means something else so the word quality here mm-hmm. means something completely different to what it actually is mm. you know it's ideology and that we've become so used to that. I mm-hmm. think many people in education now have this kind of duality in their minds, we mm-hmm. we, we have this um, vocabulary that that means something on the surface but we know really it means something completely different so we, we're working in these two ways all the time. And yeah it, it's a cliche but it's Orwellian uh, but it's it, mm-hmm. it is really frightening do you think
0: people are getting fatigued by this as well because when I read this story I saw it was sort of sort of like you know of course of course mm. they're doing this of course they're saying this the idea that y- you you know we you mentioned Orwell but you know, people have been joking about this for who knows how long. That eventually they'll be telling us that two plus two equals five, and we'll have to believe it. Yeah, been um, doing that for and a long we've time. seen plenty of stories about them wanting mm. to decolonize the maths curriculum and things like ethno mathematics, which suggests there's no objective truth, or even somehow more insultingly that mathematics is something that is is <coughs> is Western, that logic is Western, even though they're called Arabic numerals. Um, so. When I saw this story, I thought, well, of course, of course, course this is what they're suggesting. There's no surprise here. This is barely news. And I wonder whether people around the country, in the same way as I think the word woke is becoming a bit tired out itself, that people will now be seeing these stories and just sort of sighing and shutting the newspaper and thinking we've had enough of this.
2: Yeah, and I can understand entirely why they would but it's exactly the wrong thing to do because Mm. you ain't seen nothing yet, Mm. this has Mm. just been the precursor, this is the prelude, it's almost like the phony war, right? In September 1939, the real stuff is just going to happen, we have waves of students graduating now who are going to become the the leaders of tomorrow. Mm. We've just seen in recent polls, 30% of of, uh, people under 25 would support the monarchy only, 2 thirds are opposed to the monarchy, 1 in 5 think Churchill, Was a good person. You know, fourth, fifth. Don't think he was. He was someone to be admired. This is coming in waves ahead. We're just seeing the ripples before the tidal wave. Mm -hmm. And we need to try to result to to basically ensure that we don't get tired. We have to maintain the battle. And one.
3: Sorry, sorry, Peter. And one thing we have to do is provide a platform and a space for the young people who do want to push back on it, because at the moment they are absolutely cowed and they're, they're silent they're frightened to speak, so well, that's what like we're this, going to be doing like this.
1: That's what we're going to be doing next year actually yeah. without wishing to spoil any you know, spoiler alerts mm-hmm. uh, but we will be hopefully doing that but I think that the the point I would make which again we, we make these points a lot is that people you say don't understand the magnitude but they don't quite understand it they still look at these things you say look at these stories about what you know is going on in universities uh, decolonized maths, decolonized computer, science, all of this and they don't actually get that this is a complete attack. The whole point is to undermine entirely all of these subjects, the foundations of yeah. our culture. That's mm-hmm. what it is and the way it's looked at is somehow that this is, oh come on, you've got to have balance in this thing, you've got to, uh, it's like you know, with Churchill. When people talk about Churchill, they say, "Well, um, oh, what's wrong in knowing the good and the bad?" And we should. And then you can arrive to say, "No, no, 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 no. There's too much at stake now. That's not the reason they're doing it. That's not the. Re- they're not doing it for balance. They're not doing it for our yeah. betterment or anything like that. They want to go right to the root of everything, and basically delegitimize them. And it's working. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely working. Of course, you've got postmodernism to a great extent." Um, to um, blame for this, Mm -hmm. the idea that there's no such thing as truth. Uh,
0: There are some people who have, who have I think maybe naively criticised these people by saying that that what they're trying to teach in universities is anti-enlightenment, as if these people would take anti-enlightenment as being a criticism, (laughs) of course they're anti-enlightenment, they think the enlightenment was racist and that's why it needs to be torn down, Mm -hmm. so all of these things to do with you know everything to do with objective truth to do with the scientific method Sir francis bacon all of these fundamental things that have created the society that we now live in i mean we've only recently been talking about um reparations for the industrial revolution things like that everything that has built and created modern britain as you say is an active attempt to undermine those things to suggest that at its very very at its very roots that there's something sort of structurally and systemically rotten about it um, and so to criticise them to say that they're anti-enlightenment I think they just nod and say yes of course that's exactly what we're trying to do and and, 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 and that also means just to just to very briefly finish my point that what um, what Rafe you were saying about um, y- you know the, the the, the, the time bomb really of students going forward is that we're also, it's not just simply that we're going to have masses of people who are who are steeped in ideology it's also that we're going to have masses of people who are fundamentally uneducated because they're not educated in the scientific method they don't have the tools to seek truth no, as you we were saying earlier they don't value objectivity and they actually can't think clearly because they've only been taught they've been to a, to a sort of um, yeah, they've just they've just been taught ideology. I was gonna I was gonna really think, go hard uh, there, but I won't. <laughs> I mean, I mean one, of, one of the things
3: I do and, and I push back on it in the classroom. Um, I talk. I always when when we're talking about postmodernism and, and truth and post-truth and, and subjective truth, I always think about the, the great Roger Scruton quote where he says, you know, if someone if someone's saying that, uh, you know truth doesn't exist, the writer's saying that, He's, they're asking you not to believe mm-hmm. him, so don't. You know? mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a really good starting point for young people and, and then and then pushing But The point is we do have to push back, we do have to fight back and that doesn't necessarily mean great big core celeb things, it's like you, you were saying in your chapter, it's, it's, it's small day-to-day things, it's, it's actually saying no. Incrementally, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's really important. Because the
0: way we've got here is by saying yes, sure, okay, whatever, incrementally.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, as far, <laughs> as, far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I I can't take on the whole education establishment. I'm, you know, there, there are other people out there like me. I mean, Eric Kaufman's in there, and, and he, you know, he's of a, a, a similar persuasion. But you can push back intellectually. You can challenge these these assumptions and and, and these ideas because they're they're just ideas and they're there to be knocked down. You know, but it is—it is small. It is incremental. It's a day-to-day thing, as well as the other stuff, which is bigger. Peter, actually, to that, um, <coughs> we were talking about leaders. You were writing the Lions Den recently. Yes.
2: Mean, well, everything <laughs> you've just been discussing, I have now first-hand experience <laughs> of and it was a very sobering and depressing experience. Welcome to, to see. my life, Ray. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, That's you know, so uh, I was at the Cambridge Union with Calvin Robinson. The Cambridge Union is the world's oldest debating society, 1815 the year of the uh, Battle of Waterloo and um, my gosh we were there to discuss whether Britain should pay reparations for colonialism and slavery so I sort of expected that we would be losing this debate, prior to walking in there only debate I've ever lost in in my life prior to this had been at the University of East Sussex which is well known for attracting lefty loons but Cambridge has always been a much, much fairer platform to have these discussions but my gosh it's one thing you were talking about people being un- uneducated in the future not having access to truth not knowing truth it's fine to oppose opinion but when people were audibly gasping and always going into hysterics over well-known facts i thought gosh the game is up you know just to say just to point out the fact that there were that africans were involved in slavery and that as many africans were kept in slavery in africa as crossed over the atlantic my gosh, the shrieks. Just to point out the Islamic slave trade is centuries older than the uh, the British or American slave trade and they just simply wouldn't accept it and then when I pointed out that the British stopped sooty, the burning of Hindu widows on the funeral pyre, there were shakings of heads and if people go to the video, it's on our YouTube channel, there'll probably be a pop-up right now on the screen if you want to click on it and it'll be the the suggested video at the end of this program, you can see the reaction of the students, which is actually more interesting than my speech. Yeah. <laughs> to see the complete refusal to accept, because they're so indoctrinated, and you can't really blame them because they have never once yeah. been told the other side of the story. It's not to say that you know slavery was good, colonialism is 100% good but there were benefits to colonialism and Britain actually did play a vital role in leading the world against slavery and yet they had never once and these are Cambridge students yeah. allegedly the very best that we can produce and they actually thought that I was spouting, I was rewriting history as one person said. Is
1: she looking, sorry, is she looking at, right, at the audience, uh, you know the young audience, a lot of foreign students in there and I'm just wondering actually whether one of the incentives behind much of this is also the need to cater to non-British students coming in?
0: Yeah I I think that's definitely
1: a The decolonisation thing, whether it's another kind of way?
0: So I, I, I just, before I say what I'm going to say, I just want to say how phenomenal I thought you were, Rafe, because it was, it was just, it was, it was magisterial. Um, but I think we can probably play um, a, a quick clip um, from that. Then
2: again, why is the demand for reparations always focused and framed in terms of Britain? Why are no activists asking for reparations from the African states that were equally complicit in slavery? Should they not pay reparations? They provided the slaves that were transferred over the ocean and millions more slaves were kept in slavery in Africa by other Africans just as were being transported across the Atlantic. Why does nobody ever actually speak about that unpleasant truth? What about the Arabs and the Muslims who bought and sold African slaves for centuries before the British arrived and continued to do so into the 20th century until the British and the French tried to stop it? And indeed, what about the slavery that carries on today? The International Labour Organization says that currently approximately seven in every 1,000 Africans is a slave. 10 million people. In 2017, CNN reported hundreds of slaves are sold every week in Libya. So much energy is given to historic reparation and the historic plight of slaves. I would have more time for the argument if the people actively actively pursuing that course of action were equally vocal about surely the far more horrendous plight of slaves today, where there are more slaves today in bondage, in slavery, than crossed over the Atlantic. So where are the protests outside the Nigerian High Commission? Where are the protests outside the embassies of Niger, which has 800,000 slaves today? What about Mali and Chad and Sudan and Cameroon? It's almost as if there's an ulterior motivation behind the call for apologies and operations exclusively from britain
0: um and one one of the the parts of this whole debate that I, I can't i don't know if i can't remember if this was in response to you or in response to calvin but one student actually stood up and said um we're cambridge something like we're cambridge students mm-hmm. we don't need to be taught about this or we don't we don't you know I, and as a former Cambridge student and Mm. and member of the Cambridge Union I wasn't just horrified by that I was also embarrassed I Mm. felt I actually felt embarrassed by association because the 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 sort of the arrogance the hubris and this the just lack of intellectual humility the basic intellectual humility that is required for you to be able to learn anything why would you listen to somebody who prefaces what they say with something like that I I think I think
3: there's something um, there about lack of self-awareness and that lack of self-awareness sets up the ridiculous emotional response that mm-hmm. you're seeing you know because it isn't what you're saying it, it's the speaker isn't it and and it, it's the identity of the speaker defines completely their response mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to what's happening so if if they identify with the speaker and and they I, I'd, I'd say they love the speaker for their characteristics then that's all well and good, but the idea that that facts get in the way is they they just cannot. And it's not mm-hmm. just young people; it's older people as well. I'm not I'm not just having a go at young people here. People cannot deal with facts because they can because they cannot separate the emotional and the intellectual. Because that's the other thing that's happened. You know, this idea of um, my subjective experience, my subjectivity, is the most important thing emotion has really sullied all of this thing and, and, it, and it's completely confused the intellectual space, intellectual mm-hmm. life and, but of course that's what they want to do, that's what they want to the have. Most,
2: the most dangerous combination to have particularly in a, amongst academics <clears> or <throat> young students is a lack of education combined with arrogance mm-hmm. and an, a, 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 cert, a confidence and a certainty that you're right, mm. combined with righteousness. Mm that is a toxic combination because there is no way, essentially it's cult brainwashing Essentially, when you combine all those elements together and and you're absolutely right.
0: What was it, sorry Peter? I was going to
2: say you've also got a
1: culture where these many kids are no longer actually told no, Mm -hmm. they're no longer actually disciplined, Uh, that has an effect on on the mind, you can see it happening at the lowest level, children Mm are you know absolutely allowed to do whatever they want to do they're not used to being criticised certainly not on social media Mm. all of this We've also seen
0: the disempowerment as well of the of the academics so that the students feel that they are in charge and can bully the academics yeah. into because because the university is a business, right? They want to get what they're paying for. Well, they are the model. The model um, fits that, and Absolutely. so and so they'll do anything that the students want them to. And so they they so used to getting pandered to. And but There's
2: also just the basic lack of common respect and decency. The Cambridge Union, mm-hmm. Oxford mm-hmm. Union, which I've been debated at before, were always places which had respect respect would listen in respectful silence to you mm-hmm. before having their opportunity to respond. And it was the, the complete lack of that. It was this sense of superiority the sense that they knew better which was remarkable to see i i debated at the cambridge union last seven years ago and i can tell you seven years ago i would have had a very different reception and that's what's so scary seven years isn't a long time and things have changed so much just in that brief period i can only imagine what it would be like to be there in 2030 and have the same debate
3: everything's linked isn't it so if you if you if you think about how the working class are treated now. Uh, with utter condescension and real hate by these people. If if we if you if you think about what happened with Brexit, for example, you know it was just you know gammon and and, and all of those things. There is a there is a real hatred, a snobbish hatred, which comes out of this ideology, um, and it's to say it's distasteful is is the understatement of the, of the year, isn't it? But well, it's, they're actually a
1: block. Yeah, uh, w- w- working class people are a block to the progress they see in their eyes. They are the ones who remain patriotic, they are the ones who generally will go and cheer the queen or the king, they are generally the ones who worry about migration, they were the common enemy you needed with which to defy multiculturalism.
3: Actually and
1: and it and that's what was needed
3: and, and it wonderful. and it just goes to show doesn't it how we've how we've gone back because now universities are enclaves of the mm. chattering class mm. and we've spent well since since 1945 and since student grants and 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 the the reconstruction mm. and all of those things we we we've worked to you know
2: change that mm. and mm-hmm. and now
3: pretty much we're back
2: to where we
0: started which mm. Rafe I want to ask i, was, you I was just
2: actually just, just on that point though what we're also seeing mm-hmm. though there's a lot of people coming in from comprehensive, so right now if you've gone to Eton, I know, my, uh, I know people who have difficulty getting their children into universities now because the universities are now deliberately uh, biased against private schools yeah, and are bringing yeah, in that comprehensive schools. Thing. And what I noticed at the Cambridge Union was actually a lot of people coming in who weren't privileged or from the upper classes but they were wholly ignorant, they weren't as qualified because of this desire to bring in people from comprehensive schools and to meet ethnic minority quotas and so forth. People were coming in, I could see the standard of students was much lower than seven years ago I'm certainly
3: not talking about the upper classes I'm talking about the chattering classes but
2: but my point is that's another big issue is people at Mm -hmm. university have there is a much lower standard of intelligence I would Mm -hmm. actually say than there was seven years ago and I could really see that in the audience
0: uh, So that that ties in with what I was going to ask you which is in your obviously when you go to debate at one of these places your interaction with the audience is not just while you're in front of them debating but you have other interactions as well along the way what what was your sort of experience your feeling of the students the the interactions that you had with them?
2: Well the few interactions I had because most people automatically cleared a wide berth between Calvin and myself <laughs> whereas there was this almost sort of like you know Bobby, what was it, Bobby Moore in 66 for the other side, you know <laughs> going around <laughs> Who were the other side? It was um, Bell something or other, MP, my mother's MP actually uh, my parents MP and, um, and a professor from, from SOAS obviously goes saying <laughs> what the opinion <laughs> will be there who was quoting Marxist historians on their on slavery and I thought well that just tells you everything you need to know there but um, it was arrogant, I mean you said that this one woman, who's, you were saying, this one woman stood up and said, uh, as Cambridge students we don't need to, we know our history, we don't need to hear about history. The same woman stopped me on the street the next day when she bumped into me in Cambridge and she said, uh, oh in- interesting speech despite all the inaccuracies in it. And I thought, my god, you are a 20 year old student, probably studying, you know, you know leisure studies or, <laughs> or something, and yet you are deigning to actually just dismiss facts which are actually, everything I said was usually verifiable and it's that that disdain, that sense of superiority I I was talking Mm. about before and that lack of civility and that the the lack of ability to say well a good debate we're on different sides as you would have done in the old days and just shake hands. God help help anyone who employs these people. I mean it's actually,
3: it's it's a shameless plug here but it's everything I talk about in my heresies film isn't it, the war on history. Mm. It is, Mm. it's it's Mm. completely the war on history.
0: So shall we um, move on to a related subject, which is the the as I mentioned in my introduction, the madness in the Treasury, not in relation to the uh, awful uh, autumn statement that we uh, we saw last week, but actually um, this news story about the six percent um, quota, six percent target for um, Black British people within the within the Treasury, um, which is pointed out by the Telegraph, is far above. The, po- the proportion of the population is only three percent of the population are um, black British according to the t- 2011 census mm. uh, so what what are your thoughts on on this?
1: Well it just uh, this is all about equity isn't it yeah. you hear this word equity mm. uh, we used to hear equality but basically um, equity you could describe it as being about um, equality of outcome Uh, That's how I see it. In other words, they look at the thing and they say, right, okay, um, our population is this, that and this, Uh, here we have the treasury or whatever else, if you like, the police or whatever else is, Uh, how come it's only at that percentage or that percentage? The idea that it's about any kind of merit or people who are are best for the job is neither here nor there. In other words, they've just got to get those quotas up. But the thing with the treasury, I don't know, this 3%, that seems low to me. Mm I mean, well that's from the 2011 census yeah, but just these things are always underestimated so uh, on purpose
0: the MP Ben Bradley I think it was him who said this and, and I agreed with him was that if you were to hire people on merit alone it wouldn't be objectionable to have say 50% of the people in the treasury to be black British if they were being hired just purely on merit mm-hmm. and it's it's almost insulting to suggest that you should have to do this sort of affirmative action to yeah. reach a certain percentage in order to, rather than just hiring people yeah. on the basis of their qualifications oh, and that under the current circumstances with the economy the way that it is, that even more so the Treasury should be focusing its hiring on those people who are most qualified to do that, yeah. that role. Um, but instead they're, 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 they're taking this frankly insulting yeah. um, approach of just trying to hire people on the basis of their biological characteristics rather than their qualifications
2: and it's worse than that because they're actually exceeding the percentages in the population Uh, and I wondered what was going to happen when we actually reached the levels that they are actually in the population uh, and now we've seen, I mean you you could uh, there's just no defence to it, there's no defence for doubling what they've said is, oh well because they're because the Treasury is based in London, yes. and ethnic minorities make up a greater proportion of mm. london 's population, we can justify having more mm. ethnic minorities working for the Treasury than they should be allocated based on a national population i don 't buy that i also don 't buy it because you are drawing from a much smaller pool because just because of the very fact that people have come over from overseas in recent years they aren 't actually uh, hi- found higher up in the social hierarchies mm. in the career hierarchies so you 're actually drawing mm. that from a tiny pool Mm -hmm. compared to the 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 rest of the population and so the quality that you're going to get from that tiny pool Mm -hmm. because most black people coming over for example are still working in low-skilled industries because they've come from Africa and elsewhere and they haven't, they're not second generation, not third generation so they haven't actually been able to get the education that they need so we're actually depriving our civil service of some of the great minds that you used to have with the fast track Mm -hmm. stream and the
3: the modelling of course is, is just stupid as well so you've already talked about you know they, they, they play these tricks fast and loose don't they with, with, the, with the facts so they'll say something like well he's based in London and there's a higher percentage of ethnic minorities in London so we need a higher percentage and they'll also do something bringing back it to Peter's <coughs> point about equity they'll say something like well ethnic minorities have, have had a, a, a difficult time in life they've been held back so we need to even that out by having a greater percentage of minorities to give to give them more more of a chance what they won't say and that's just based on the colour of their skin but what they won't do is the same thing with say white working class boys you know, well, we know that they really are held back you know exactly. in, in, in education but it's so selective and it's just I mean the only word you can use to describe it is actually racist
2: mm. that's what it is it's racist oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah. and social engineering
2: and social
1: engineering yeah. complete social engineering but well, we know
2: for example also that if you are if you are slim and attractive you are more likely to get a job in an interview, right? Mm. So what about? And this is not a job offer from <laughs> I'll myself. Not the people. But the point is, is that not next logically right? What about all of the the, the fat, unattractive people who've been disadvantaged? Don't they deserve a, a, a job in the Treasury as well because they have had decades, if not centuries, of exclusion from these corridors of power? No, you know that's that's an obvious next step in all of this, isn't it? Mm. Quotas <laughs> to counter
0: system <laughs> systemic fat phobia.
1: Some 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 institutions also. Um, are hugely disproportionate, I mean like the BBC is a good example in terms of ethnic- ethnicity and ethnic minorities is hugely disproportionate to the population hmm. at large so I mean I think that, the, it, that that is sort of like the reason they give. <laughs> I think that this is all again part of somehow um, pandering to an idea that somehow we are not exactly evil but that we are to blame for these things, we are to blame for this right and uh, that is that's behind it all the part of the reason
0: why those institutions are systemically bad is because there are too many white British people in them
1: I remember people when I was in City Hall I remember people walking around and and, you know talking about their their privilege and I was still at the stage you know God, naive I guess still at the stage where I think the only time you could really bring that up was to be mocking or to, you know, it must be comedy in some way but it wasn't, they would say, you know, you see these two kind of white beater guys, middle class beater kind of guys in the lifting well, I'm saying well I am
3: aware of my privilege in this situation you, and you sort of want to burst out laughing And but it's throughout the whole place. And, and it's gone further so people will, you know, it used to be, you know, speaking as a white man or speaking as yes. a black or whatever it is, now it's people, I've, I've seen quite a few people do this, yes. you know. I'm unlearning racism, and then talking mm. about what what, what they're going to talk about. So they you know, they the present work. themselves. I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm <laughs> unlearning racism out of the blue, you know, mm. from nowhere.
0: These sound right. like okay. the
3: and then they'll talk about the the quota for the for the kitchen towels.
0: Phrases like that actually sound like the sort of they're 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 almost religious phrases, aren't mm. they? To be do it to be doing the work. The sorts of things that people come out with. These are. Uh, sort of learned it's set phrases it's that self, signal it's something. Self-flagellation. It's self-flagellation. And when, as you know, you were saying, Peter, about these people talking about their privilege, that this um, this announcement from the from the Treasury, and it seems that there are other other departments in the government are doing similar things, um, came during Black History Month, and this was obviously a sort of announcement of it's Black History Month. Here are the things that we're doing in order to counter racial prejudice within the treasury that I mean that's not what it said but this is the gist so I think going back to what you were saying in relation to universities Philip that this has become ethics Mm. this has become Mm. You know, this is this is the Treasury's way of, of of signalling that we're not just we're not just saying these things; we're also doing them. And I think it, it, these things end up in the news. But I, I very much expect that the people who have come up with these ideas didn't thi- didn't expect there to be any backlash mm-hmm. but in, res- the in response. The problem here is
2: we've had twelve years of conservative government, yes. right? <laughs> and the the beauty of the parliamentary system was always that you had a, allegedly a democratic dictatorship. Parliament with a majority was able to do anything that it wanted to do, it could abolish the monarchy, it was limitless power. So how on earth has a Conservative government Allowed this state of affairs to develop not only within th- within the Treasury, we know there are similar things within Parliament itself. You know, if you can't sort out your own house literally, mm-hmm. how can you effectively govern mm-hmm. the country? There's almost like a Jordan Peterson <laughs> expression right there. This is the problem. The takeover the <coughs> institutional takeover is in is in yeah. our government departments and it's in government. The buildings look the same on Whitehall, mm-hmm. while there are cuckoos mm-hmm. in the nest.
0: This goes back to what we were saying about the, this undermining of the Enlightenment as well, because whether you're in the Labour Party or in the Conservative Party, if you are in the uh, you know the elite echelons of, of of anywhere on the political spectrum, that what you get is this fundamentally anti enlightenment thinking which and and this idea of having quotas of affirmative action Mm. is an undermining of enlightenment thinking because if if you were you know returning to the to the roots of the of the enlightenment and the logic that follows from that you would you would base everything would be a meritocracy you would base things on people's expertise and you wouldn't assume therefore that if you didn't that you would have less people from ethnic minorities Mm in Those roles because you wouldn't be assuming that those individuals were so all of these things are tied in with each other.
1: Mm. Well, they are. I mean, look, in, in some ways, you know, that there is nothing new under the sun, it's just it's become much more intense. Only about what 15 years ago, do you remember there was a guy called Greg Dyke, mm. uh, and he was chair, uh, director general of the, of the BBC, used to be at ITV before that. He made the he became quite famous for this praise he said well the problem with the BBC is it's hideously white Mm. and um, I remember seeing someone at uh, at the proms a few years later you know one of the commentators at the proms say oh look this is hideously hideously white um sort of went past like this. You know, okay you can say this is too white if you want you know but why hideously? what's mm. this what's this hideously mm. you know I mean no one would say oh a uh, Brixton as it used to be is hideously black no one would dream of saying that mm. you know but somehow it's just kind of innate this is wrong to say hideously white shows a level of self-loathing um, that is taken for granted. But I think they take, take for granted.
0: I think there's a delight in it, though. I think people who, like, if you remember John Snow saying he'd never seen more white people in his right. life, I can't remember exactly the context, but something to do with Brexit. I th-
2: think
0: that these people take He's it, been take. At a, <laughs> no, no it to Yeah. <laughs> they, they, I think they take a delight in it because they're. It's a. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of the hoi polloi They're trying to. F- they're trying to find themselves on the right side of where they see history going just
3: to just to tie it all together
1: History is just middle class opinion yeah sorry it's just middle class opinion this everyone's using this expression but just to
3: just to tie it all together you know the, the the government obsessed with quotas the BBC obsessed with colour education obsessed with colonialism they're not doing what they're supposed to do, the, the government should be dealing with policy, the BBC should be entertaining, mm-hmm. education should be about subjects and disciplines, it's what I said before all that stuff is going out of the way and people don't know anything, all they mm-hmm. know is, is oh, how many, how many black people are here, how many white people are here, what, what's our relationship, what's the power relationship here, how can we deconstruct these narratives,
0: but they've never read Shakespeare. Then- they're not equipped
3: properly they're not equipped, to do, they're not equipped to do anything else and they're not actually in terms of learning and research and in terms mm-hmm. of methodology they don't know any of that stuff other than mm-hmm. this particular thing which is which is uh, postmodernism and mm-hmm. gobbledygook
0: that's the first thing that has to be done isn't it that you have to purge young minds in order for the the, the new way of thinking to ha- to have some blank slate to settle well, on, to but know actually, about if things
3: you things rather than people ideology, got to,
1: yeah, people yeah. have got to also. I think people have got to, they've just got to wake up. I mean, I I, I mean, for example, in the school uh, scenario, mm. um, what they're being taught in schools. We did that great program with Calvin. You know, it, it's pretty much in the news all the time now, actually, about what's being taught in school um, but just anecdotal evidence, you know, from my own family, you know, the the uh, mothers, for example, at the school gate, they will say, "What's wrong with a What's wrong with a, a trans, uh, you know, a drag queen doing a story? What, what What's wrong? What's your problem with it? You know, this is this is I've he- I've heard these things. They've got to wake up at the moment. You know that they just don't understand what's going on."
0: Well, that's an interesting note to end on. Um, we've gone all the way full circle to drag queens. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Rafe. Thank you, uh, Peter. Thank you, Philip. And thank you for watching. Please uh, comment below. Let us know what you think of the subjects that we've discussed today, and we will see you next time on Newspeak.
1: Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.